From Kindred Church, your inclusive church family. This podcast is a collection of sermons from our weekly worship services in Durham, North Carolina. Whatever your background is, wherever you are on your faith journey, we hope this message helps you take your next steps in response to God's unconditional love. Well, hello and welcome to Kindred Church. It is so good to be with you. If we've not met before, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And if this is your very first time to tune in with us, thank you so much for checking us out. We're especially glad that you are with us today. Before we get into the scripture and the sermon, I just want to say happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. As most of you probably know, we are an affirming church at Kindred and we are proud of that. And so to all of our brothers and sisters and siblings uh, who identify as LGBT plus We love you. We celebrate you this month. We are so grateful for you. Uh, You are made in the image of God. You make our church better and more complete. We're so thankful for the gifts that God has given you, and we are celebrating with you this month. Uh, All right, our scripture for today is from Matthew chapter 4, and we're looking at verses 18 through 20, and it says this. As Jesus walked alongside the Galilee Sea, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, and they were throwing fishing nets into the sea because they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away, they left their nets and they followed him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, you may already know this, but according to the latest research, friendship in our society, friendship is on the decline. Uh, The latest research tells us that as Americans, we have fewer friends than ever, and the friendships that we do have are weaker than ever. There was a big study about this back in 2021, and it found that about half of all Americans say that we have less than three close friendships in our life. And that's a number that's almost doubled since 1990 for reference. And that same 2021 study found that about 12% of us Americans say that we have zero close friends in our life. That's a number that's almost quadrupled since 1990. I don't know about you, but I find those uh, the stats to be very alarming. And my guess would be that many of us would say that we feel this in our lives on a personal level, right? Like we, we wish we had more friends. We, we wish that our friendships were, were deeper and more meaningful, but there's just so many challenges. I mean, we've got jobs and we've got responsibilities and many of us have kids. And so like we know we should call more, we should get together with friends more, but it's just hard to find the time. And even when we do have the time, it just we feel like we don't have the, the energy for it. Friendship is on the decline. And I think one of the ways that we've tried to cope with this as a society is we've sort of stretched the definition of who even counts as a friend, right? Like the obvious example is our Facebook friends. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I'm like mindlessly scrolling on Facebook and I'll start to realize like, I don't even know who these people are. You know, Facebook will say, wish so-and-so a happy birthday. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. Did we go to high school together? Maybe we had a class together in college or, or something like that. There's all these people I don't even know. And yet Facebook is telling me that they are my friends. Or um, at my kids' preschool, 
they call the, the children, they don't call them children or students, but they, they call all of the children the friends. And I get it, they're trying to promote a friendly environment, uh, but the truth is not all the kids are friends. I mean, some of these kids are, are mean. I know this because sometimes I'll go to pick up my kids at the end of the day and I'll walk in and I'll see, you know, my kid has a bruise or they have a Band-Aid on them or something. I'll kind of ask the teacher like, hey, you know what, what happened today? And they're like, oh, unfortunately, one of the friends smacked your kid upside the head with a block, right? Or they're like, one of the friends bit your child's leg. And I'm thinking like, are we still calling them friends? I mean, this doesn't sound like a healthy friendship to me. That's kind of a silly example, but but as a society, you know, we, we were stretching the definition of who counts as a friend. And I think that's in part because we, we just see that friendship in general, friendship is on the decline. Well, what I want to point out to us today is that for those of us who follow Jesus, this is not just a social problem. The decline of friendship is not just a personal problem for certain people. But it's actually a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem. There, there's this scene in John chapter 15 where Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. And he looks at them in this moment and he says to them, I no longer call you servants, he says, but instead I now call you friends. Jesus says to the disciples, I call you friends. And part of what that shows us is that as Christians, we're not just called to believe in God. We're not just called to worship God or to obey God. All of that is true. But we're also called to be friends with God. And God calls us to be friends with other people as well. And that means for us as Christians, friendship is not just part of our life, but it's actually part of our calling. It's part of our spirituality in fact. And so that means as, as society around us experiences this decline of friendship, it's even more important than ever that we Christians pay close attention to our own friendships. And so for all these reasons, uh, today we are starting a new sermon series that's all about Christian friendship. How can we grow in our friendship with God and how can we develop the kinds of friends that God calls us to develop? Uh, I think wherever you're at on your faith journey, whatever the state of friendship and your own life right now, I think this series is going to be helpful to you. And so I hope you'll plan to track with us here over the next several weeks. If you're still not sure that you should really care about friendship, uh, let me share this with you. I looked it up this week. Did you know, did you know that people with stronger friendships in their life they are scientifically proven to be less lonely. That may seem obvious, but it's worth stating. People with stronger friendships are less stressed than others. How many of us could use less stress? People with stronger friendships are actually more likely to make positive change in their life, whether that's exercising more, uh, eating better, whether that's getting help with a, a mental health issue or an addiction or something like that. People with stronger friendships, they, they make more positive changes and they, they stick with those positive changes uh, more than, than others. Uh, people with stronger friendships, they have a, a stronger sense of security and, and self-worth and, and confidence. People with stronger friendships are also scientifically proven to be more resilient in the face of life's challenges, that when life knocks them down, and hey, life is gonna knock all of us down, right? Whether we lose our job, or we go through a divorce, or whatever kind of hardship that we might face, people with stronger friendships are much more likely to, to get up from that and to, to bounce back from that. And as Christians, you know, we, we look at all that scientific research and we say, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. 
because God created us for friendship. And so as our friendships get stronger, as our friendships get better, of course, all these other areas of our life get better as a result. That's what God wants for you. And that's what each of us should probably want for ourselves, I think. And so that's what we're going to be talking about over these next several weeks. Uh, Again, hope I've piqued your interest and and hope you'll plan to, to stick with us through this series. Now, with the time that we have left today, I want us to think about our friendships here within the context of the church. Uh, Next week, we're going to turn our attention to our friendship with God, and we're going to think about that. But for today, why is it so important that we have friends, not just in general, but why is it important that we have deep, meaningful friendships here within the church? This is kind of a challenging thing for us to think about, in part because You know, we live in this society that is very individualistic, right? We we tend to think that we don't really need other people. Other people are kind of optional at best. And in a lot of cases, we we, we find other people are obstacles in our way. And we know this because of how often we get annoyed with other people, even our friends, right? I was thinking about this week, like how often do you get annoyed even with your friends, I mean, recently I was texting with with one of my friends. We hadn't hung out for a while. We hadn't talked for a while. And so I texted him to say, hey, man, let's get together and catch up. And he texted back. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's let's catch up. So I'm like, good, great. So I was like, how about Friday? And he's like, oh, no, Friday is not going to work for me. I'm booked on Friday. How about Thursday? And I'm like, dude, I'm booked on Thursday. I'd have to rearrange my whole schedule. I can't make Thursday work. I want to meet on Friday. And he's like, no, Thursday is better. And I could tell, you know, we're going back and forth. I could tell he's getting annoyed with me. I'm getting annoyed with him. Even our friends can annoy us sometimes, right? And maybe, maybe you have that one friend who is always changing the plan at the last minute, right? Like you're planning to go see a movie and they're like, well, instead, let's go see my niece's piano recital. And you're like, why would I want to do that? Or I don't know if you have a a friend who has that annoying habit of like constantly asking for favors, not a little bit, but like all the time, you know, Hey, Saturday, can you come help me move? Or can you take me to the airport at 5am? You're thinking like, I'm not your Uber driver. Come on. No wonder friendship is on the decline, right? We're individualistic minded. We often see other people as getting in the way. They, they annoy us. And because we're individualistic, we often bring that same mindset to our faith. We we think our faith is this personal thing, this private thing. It's between me and God, and it can often feel like other people are just getting in the way. I'll give you an example of of when I felt like that. Uh, There was this time back in college. And when I was in college, I will admit I did not go to church as frequently as I probably should have. Many of you can relate to that. But there was this one time when I hadn't been to church for a while and I thought, okay, I'm going to get my rear end to church. I need to reconnect with God. I need to confess some of my sins. (laughs) Some of you can probably relate to that as well. So I went to church, got myself there, found my seat. I'm sitting there. I'm trying to be prayerful, you know, trying to be spiritual, And then after a few minutes of that, there was this six-year-old kid sitting behind me. And out of nowhere, he just, wham, he hits the back of my seat with his leg, just kicks it, right? And so I was like, okay, you know, kids will be kids. I'm just going to kind of ignore this. Uh, A couple minutes later, wham, it happens again. So I kind of turn my head, you know, try to kind of make eye contact with his parents, like, you know, politely, hey, get your, get your kid under control, please. And, uh, but, but they don't care. They're completely uh, oblivious. And then just throughout the service, like every two minutes, wham, wham, 
wham, this kid just keeps kicking the back of my chair. And as a result, I was not really able to focus on God. I didn't feel like I was able to, to pray because the whole time I just wanted to go back there and teach that kid some manners, right? I wanted to connect with God, but it felt like this kid was just getting in my way. This kind of experience is what leads people to say things like, you know, the church would be great if it wasn't for all the people. Maybe you've thought that before. Or sometimes, you know, I'll meet people who say that they're spiritual but not religious. And a lot of times I think what they mean is, I'm spiritual, but I prefer to do that alone. I'm spiritual, but other people just get in my way. We live in an individualistic culture, and we often bring that this individualistic mindset to our faith. We can do it on our own. It's between us and God. Other people just get in the way. That's understandable that we would have that perspective. The problem is, the problem is Jesus will simply not let us have an individualistic mindset about our faith. Jesus won't let us. As it turns out, when Jesus calls us to follow him, he calls us together. When Jesus calls us to follow him, Jesus calls us together. We see that playing out here in this passage in Matthew chapter 4. This passage takes place at the the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. As best we can tell, Jesus is about 30 years old here. He's just starting to go around teaching, preaching, healing people, all those things that Jesus is now famous for. And, you know, Jesus is the Son of God, right? Jesus has the power. Jesus has the ability to carry out his ministry all by himself. He doesn't really need other people. And yet, for some reason, it feels important to Jesus to call disciples, to create this community, this network of friends around him. And in this passage in Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus calling his very first disciples. Watch what happens here. One day we're told Jesus is out walking. He's walking by the Sea of Galilee. It's this, this beautiful place, this big sea, this big lake, and there's like rolling hills and just beautiful place. So Jesus is walking along. I can imagine that he was pray, praying, you know, soaking in the, the scenery. And Jesus looks up and he sees these two fishermen. He sees Peter and Andrew and they're doing their thing, casting their nets. And I don't know if Jesus already knew Peter and Andrew or if they had some prior relationship. Scripture doesn't really tell us. But for whatever reason, this was the moment when Jesus decides to call his first disciples. He calls Peter and he calls Andrew, come and follow me. Well, in this moment, Jesus could have called them individually, right? He could have called Peter first and then Andrew. He could have called them on separate occasions. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus calls them together. And uh, it actually doesn't come through as as clearly in the English translation. Some of you know that the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And in Greek, it's very clear. The command that Jesus gives to Andrew and Peter here is in the the plural. So he's he's not just saying, come and follow me. He's saying, y'all come and follow me, both of you together. And you see, this shows us that even for the very first disciples, that there was no time at which somebody was called to follow Jesus by themselves. No one was ever called to follow Jesus alone. And we see this continue throughout Jesus' ministry. He calls more and more disciples, and each time he does that, he plugs them into this network of friends, this, this community that we now call the church. 
And what's interesting is scripture is actually really honest with us about the fact that they often annoyed each other. Like the disciples would annoy Jesus sometimes and he would fuss at them and the disciples would annoy each other and they would fuss at each other. And yet, nevertheless, Jesus doesn't give up on the whole project. Jesus continues to insist that they follow him together. Now, why do you think that is? Why is that so important to Jesus? Well, I think one reason is Jesus knows that if we have any hope of finding the kind of life that he wants for us, we need other people. Other people are necessary. We can't do it alone. If we're going to be radically loving in this world, if we're going to be radically generous, if we're going to be radically faithful to this God that a lot of people don't even believe in, right? If we're going to do these countercultural, difficult, challenging things, we're going to need people around us to support us and encourage us and even at times hold us accountable, right? We need other people. And we see the same dynamic in, in other parts of our life and other parts of our society too, I think. Uh, you know, a number of years ago, uh, we found out that my wife was pregnant with our first child, and uh, that was alarming for a lot of different reasons. Exciting, of course, uh, but, but alarming in different ways. And one of those ways was I knew immediately, like, we need to get our finances in order. We just didn't have a, a good enough handle on our finances. Children, as many of you know, cost money, and I'm learning that as they grow, they cost even more money. So I was like, okay, <clears throat> I'm going to sign up for a, a personal finance course. I signed up for this course called Financial Peace University. Some of you are familiar with that. Um, a side note here, uh, this is the Dave Ramsey course, and, and I don't love Dave Ramsey, and I'm not fully endorsing everything that he says, but I would recommend to you, if you're in a place where you want to get out of debt and where you want to get a better handle on your finances, I'd encourage you, Google Financial Peace University. There's courses all over. Find a course, uh, take it, do it, take it seriously. It'll make a difference in your life. It certainly did for me. So I signed up for Financial Peace University and uh, I was surprised because as soon as I signed up, I get an email from the leader and he says, hey, I'm putting you in this, this kind of small group, this group of people that's going to go through the course together. And I wrote back very politely, was like, yeah, I don't really don't want a group, not interested. I really, I'm here for the information. I feel like I can apply this to myself, by myself, I really don't need a group. But the leader insisted, he's like, no, you, you really need to, to show up to this group. So reluctantly... I started attending this group every eight weeks of this course. And when I first got there, I'm looking around, I'm starting to talk to these people and I'm like, some of these people are annoying. And there's a lot of these people that I really don't feel like I have much in common with. I would never choose to be friends with a lot of these people. And yet what I found over the course of that eight weeks was that these very same people ended up supporting me. They ended up encouraging me at different times in different ways. They held me accountable to the kind of financial disciplines that I was trying to instill in my life. And it made a difference then. And it continues to make a difference in the way that I approach my finances today. Now, if that is true for a personal finance course, how much more true is it for us as we seek to follow Jesus, right? We need people around us. Or, you know, you can think about fitness companies. I was thinking this week about uh, Peloton or even like Weight Watchers. You know, if you, if you buy a Peloton bike, they're not just going to ship you a bike, but they're also going to try to get you into a group. And similar with Weight Watchers, I have a number of friends right now who've recently signed up for Weight Watchers, and uh, they've told me, you know, when you sign up, they don't just send you the information about how to lose weight and eat healthier and things like that, but, but they try to get you into 
a group. Why is that? It's because even Peloton, even Weight Watchers, they know if you're going to make a change to your lifestyle, if you're going to try to do something really challenging and countercultural and, and make a difference that's sustainable, you're going to need people, right? You're going to need friends. You need people supporting you, encouraging you, holding you accountable. Again, if that's true for Peloton and Weight Watchers, how much more true is it for us as we seek to follow Jesus? You see, we think that our faith is this private, personal thing. We think that other people just get in the way, but Jesus tells us, no, 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 no. Yes, other people can be annoying. Yes, sometimes it feels like other people are getting in the way, but the truth is you need other people, Jesus says. You cannot follow me alone. So here's a question that I would leave you with to, to think about and to pray about this week. The question is, who are you following Jesus with? Who are those Christian friends right now in your life? Who are you worshiping with, praying with, reading scripture with, serving with? And as you think about that, you may discover, oh man, I'm, I'm actually trying to follow Jesus all by myself or, or mostly all by myself. And if you feel that way, I don't think you need to feel any shame about it. It happens to the best of us because our culture leads us to think in that individualistic kind of way. But, but if that's where you find yourself, I just encourage you to think about what is one step that you can take right now? What is just one step that you could take to help you develop some deeper friendships within the church? I'll give you a couple suggestions. Uh, the, the first one is, if you're not already in the habit of showing up to in-person worship consistently, I'm not just talking about every so often here or there, but like as a discipline on a regular basis, I would encourage you, make that your step. That's a great next step because what's going to happen is you're going to start to get to know other people who show up to worship consistently. And, and your friendships then are just naturally going to grow. So that's a great thing to do. Another great step to take is if you're not already on a volunteer team with us on Sunday mornings, that is a wonderful way to make some new Christian friends. In fact, uh, some of the, the most beautiful friendships that I see emerging within Kindred Church right now are among our volunteer team members. And a lot of times these are friendships between people who would never be friends out in, in the world. And yet they're developing this beautiful, supportive, prayerful Christian friendship together. It's really awesome. If that's something that you're interested in, reach out to me, reach out to Candace, who's on our staff. We'll get you plugged in. We've got an amazing volunteer ministry. Uh, you know, our small groups that typically run through the academic year, they're on break right now for the summer, but nevertheless, we have book club going on this summer. We're going to have a Bible study a little later this summer. We've got a bunch of different social events that we're doing, and that's a great next step for some of you. If, if you've never come to things outside of what we do on Sunday morning, you know, stay tuned to our newsletter and, you know, come to these events, right? If you show up, you're going to start to develop some Christian friendships. And if you keep investing in those, they're going to continue to grow. Uh, as a staff, I will say we are passionate. I'm talking about myself, Candice, Ty. Uh, we are passionate about helping you find your place in our community. So if you need any help with this, if you need any guidance, please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out to, to any of us. We would love to help you. You know, it's, it's not easy to follow Jesus together. Sometimes it feels like other people are getting in the way. You know, sometimes you're going to show up to worship and some six-year-old kid is going to be kicking the back of your chair when you're trying to pray, whether literally or maybe that happens in, in some metaphorical kind of a way, right? But Jesus knows that these other people around us, even though they can be annoying sometimes, Jesus knows we need them. 
And they're actually going to help us a whole lot more than they're going to get in our way because as we develop friendships with them, they're going to be the people who support us and encourage us and hold us accountable so that we can get the life that Jesus is calling us into. And that's why, that's why Jesus doesn't just call us to follow, but Jesus calls us together. Jesus doesn't just call us to follow, but Jesus calls us together. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious and loving God, we are so thankful to you for the gift of friendship. God, we're thankful that you want to be our friends and that you love us enough and you care enough about your friendship with us that you would come into this world as one of us, that you would enter into our human condition, our situation that is full of struggles and pain and, and difficulties and challenges, and yet you would endure all of that, God, to show us how deeply you want to have a friendship with us, Lord. What an amazing thing. We're so thankful for that, God. Uh, we're thankful for the people that you put around us in our lives that you call us to be friends with as well. God, we confess that a lot of times we don't receive that as a gift. A lot of times friendship feels like a burden to us. It feels like something that's not necessary. It feels like something that we could maybe avoid, Lord. Uh, forgive us for that. We, we think so individualistically and, and all it really does is just leave us more and more isolated. We, we see that in our society right now. Many of us feel that on a personal level. And so we pray that you would help us to have the discipline to invest in friendship. Friendship with you, friendship with other people, but particularly friendships within the church. God, we know that they are so vital. Even though they can be challenging, they are so vital for our growth and our transformation into the church and into the people that you are calling us to be, God. So we thank you for that reminder. We thank you for that word. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, thanks again for tuning in with us. A couple quick things here for us before we go. Uh, first, if you're new to Kindred, I would love to connect with you. Uh, would you click the connect button in the, uh, or the connect link, I should say, in the video description or the podcast description? And if you fill out the short form there, I'll reach out to you later this week. I look forward to saying hey and welcome. Uh, also, if you're local, we'd love to see you in in-person worship. As I mentioned in the sermon, that's a great way to begin to deepen your connections, to, to make some Christian friends here at Kindred Church. Uh, and also click on the announcements link that you see in the description. That's really the, the best way to stay up to speed on the different things that we've got going on, ways for you to plug in, ways for you to keep growing in your faith with us here at Kindred. And so with that, friends, remember that we love you and we hope you have a great week. And may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for tuning in. If this message was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also find it meaningful. To support this ministry, to get involved with Kindred Church, or to learn more about us, check out our website, kindrednc.church. We hope you have a great week.